0: i Christ is risen, he is is risen indeed, indeed. Alleluia, Alleluia. Amen. Our text is from the Epistle lesson from today, especially these words from St. Peter, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, thus far our text. Your friends in Christ, did you see how St. Peter begins our epistle lesson for this evening? He says, the end is near. Perhaps you've seen people on TV, on your favorite show maybe, standing with a sign on the side of the road that says, the end is near. I think that happens in Bruce Almighty, if I remember correctly. Maybe you've even seen someone holding one of those signs in real life. I know that I have, a time or two. If you haven't seen one of those signs, maybe you've heard somebody talk in that way. The end is near. Maybe on the news, things are bad. The situation is quickly devolving. The end is near. Maybe you've heard it from a political campaign. Maybe every single election cycle ever, no matter who gets elected. Oh, no, not them. The end is near. I don't know how we'll make it four years with them in office. You've heard it. Maybe lately about the coronavirus. Maybe in a good way, the end of the pandemic is near. The end of the lockdowns is near. Maybe in a bad way. There's no way we'll survive. Everyone will be dead. The end is near. Peter begins our epistle lesson with those words, but he means it in a different way, not just in a way to get your attention. Not just to be melodramatic or not going overboard. Peter means it, literally. The true end of the world is getting nearer. It is at hand. It has been at hand since Christ died on the cross, rose from the dead, and ascended into heaven. We are living in the end times. And soon, very soon, Christ will return to judge both the living and the dead. The day draws ever nearer. Peter says in his epistle that that day, a flood of fire will destroy all the world to purify it from sin. That we who have faith will enter into God's kingdom forever on that day. That's what Peter means when he says, The end of all things is at hand. The end is near. Now, if you really believed that, if you knew that the end was near, how would you act? Would you spend all your money on something foolish? A thousand bars of chocolate and just sit there and eat him one after another? Would you abandon your family and live for today? in licentiousness, in perversion, in Las Vegas-style living? Would you riot in the street like happens before hurricanes or floods? Would you break in windows, steal TVs, light things on fire just to watch them burn? You only live once, however. Might as well enjoy it before the end comes and the time is short. Would you live in fear, wondering what will happen? Would you do like Noah and get drunk and lie on the floor naked, crying? Would you lock yourself in your home? Peter says the end is near. If you believe that, how would you act? The Christian Peter is telling you the truth. The end really is near. It could happen before the end of this sermon. And because the end is near, Peter tells you how you will act. You'll act like a Christian. Look at your text. He says, you'll be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. That's your end-of-the-world procedure. Act like Christians. That's what you ought to do whenever the end appears near. Now, don't be fooled. Don't think that your salvation depends on that. It doesn't depend on your good works. That if you're good enough, then you'll make it into heaven. Don't believe that your righteousness or holy actions will make God more pleased with you than all the people eating chocolate bars, breaking in windows, and living for today. No. You cannot save yourself by your own reason or strength. You cannot come to Jesus Christ, your Lord. You cannot make yourself believe. You cannot undo your sin. You can't fix all the things that you've done wrong. Neither can I, neither can the vicar, not even Holy Pastor Poppy, can make up to God the sin he's done wrong. All are sinful. All fall short. Peter says that also. He says, you're saved for Christ's sake, by what he's done. His work on the cross, his arrest, his being mocked. His kangaroo court conviction, his beating, his suffering, his hanging nailed to wood, naked, bleeding, and dying. That's why you are saved. And for no other reason besides that. It is for Jesus' sake that you get to inherit heaven. It is for Jesus' sake that your sin is taken care of. It's for Jesus' sake that you will live forever. In the cross, everything of your life is glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him, Peter says, belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Because He's saved you. He's rescued you. He's made you holy. By His word. By His sacraments. And it's because of what He has done. It's because of how He has saved you. That in these last times, as the end draws near, you act like a Christian. Jesus loves you and has died for you. No greater love is there than that. He's cared for you. And in joyful response, you now care for the other people around you that Christ also has died for. God willing, they also will have Christian care and compassion on you. We'll care for each other because Christ first cared for all of us in the greatest way imaginable. We care for each other, not to earn eternity, but because eternity has already been freely bestowed. We overlook the sins of those around us because Christ has died for every single one of them. Even the person that just really grinds on you Every day. The cross. The resurrection. As we have received that gift, we now use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace, Peter says. We are the body of Christ. We care for one another because Jesus cared for us. And we need that care. All of us. I mean, think about it. If the end is near, what a great blessing it is to be a part of the body of Christ. Jesus was willing to give his life for us. He's also given us a family of others to care and love and provide for us. The end times can be dangerous for Christians. So Christ makes sure we don't face it alone. Peter says, the world will bring suffering upon you. Fiery trials, difficulties, challenges. We see that right now, don't we? Disease has placed most people in our world, not under social distancing, but house arrest. Churches have unilaterally been singled out and the distribution of some of God's gifts have been specifically attacked. Don't do that. Someone might get sick. Some churches, even some Missouri Synod churches here in Lincoln are still closed. If that's not enough, Maybe you haven't seen the news, but almost every day you hear about Christians in other parts of the world facing persecution. 600 in Nigeria killed this year already. Not long ago, Christians in Syria crucified and their bodies left to rot in the desert. In China, crosses removed from churches. Why? Because they were higher in the air than the communist flag. In our own nation, Christians verbally assaulted and abused, mocked and derided. I don't need your thoughts and prayers. Christians, Forced to pay for evil through tax dollars. Christians unable to worship. That's here in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Shootings in churches. Persecution aplenty. I've only talked about the things that are specific to Christians. What about the things specific to everyone? Hunger, poverty, sickness, death. The end is near. We suffer in this world, but we are not alone. We suffer in this world, but we care for one another in our sufferings. We are the body of Christ. We act as Christians, for Christ has first been a Christian to us. All those things that frighten and alarm us, Jesus has rescued us from them by his cross and resurrection. He has given us reprieve from eternal death. Take they our lives, goods, fame, child and wife. Though these all be gone, our victory still is won. The world cannot defeat us. And Christ has gifted us each other to help us in our sufferings. He sends fellow Christians to be there all for the glory of God. All so that we may be saved by the crucified and resurrected Lord. And so Peter writes, Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though strange things were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed on the last day, the end of times when He returns. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Did you see what Peter wrote? The end is near, but be not afraid. You all belong to Christ, who has overcome the world And promised you a world without end. You will suffer here, but you do not suffer alone. And if you suffer with Jesus, you will also live with Jesus, for Christ has saved you and set you free to be Christians, to support one another. To share with one another the love of God. Do not be afraid. Look forward to Christ. Rejoice in what he does for you. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.